0: Hey friends, welcome to the Recognizing Potential podcast. I'm your host, Cameron Thompson-Alaricki, and as a pilot wife, mom, and certified life design and relationship coach, I just wanted to create a space for others who are looking for the real stories. You know, the ones that make you think, oh good, it's not just me. A place to get all the tips and tricks to take your relationship from good to exceptional, and a place where you can learn new ways to look at the design of your life and make it what you've always dreamed of. My mission in coaching is building lives of passionate purpose, and it's my goal to help you do just that. So if you're wondering about your God-given purpose, wanting to up-level your life or your marriage, or just needing a positive place you can go to hear a friend, you've come to the right place, and I'm so happy you're here. Grab your favorite beverage, and let's jump in. Hi, friends. Today, I want to talk to you guys about colors. This is a tool that I use in coaching. It's a tool that I use in being a parent to my son. And it's a tool that I use in being a spouse. So it's also something that I used when I used to be in sales. And so as a human being on this earth, this is going to give you a lot of insight into why other people are the way that they are. And it's also going to help you in those areas of being a leader of being a spouse and being a parent and being if you're in sales um not just in you know selling a specific product but in selling yourself if you're an entrepreneur so with that we're going to take it one color at a time there are four colors red yellow green and blue You should also know that there are many, many tools out there that teach the color theories. So Jacob Adamo has one. Um, I teach one in Unique. That's the six-month course that I coach. And then there's another one by George Bulkey, And his last name is B-O-E-L-C-K-E. All of them are very interesting and they all are very educational in terms of giving you the information that you need to learn from them. But the reason that I want to go over what I teach in Unique is because, one, that's what I'm better versed in. But also, it just goes a little bit more in depth in terms of um, Of information and time that you can spend with certain people before they get irritated, and it just gives you a little bit more variety of information. So, with that, we will start with the reds because if you are red, uh, you're not going to probably listen to a podcast all the way through unless you're very intrigued. You are very um, quick. You just want to move through life as fast as possible. And you are a lot of times an adrenaline junkie. You are someone who believes in the motto, be brief, be bright, be gone. So these are our people that associate more with like an eagle and a lion. You're powerful and you're predatory. Okay. You're dominant. You're very, get stuff done. Just let's move. Your energy that you put off into the world is like fire. So you are, um, if you are talking to a red person, you have 60 seconds to get your point across before they lose interest or before they'll they'll most likely move on to the next conversation. Um, these are your people. My husband is the reddest red you've ever met in your life. So he's always looking for the next thrill, the next, um, you know, we just want to have fun. We just want this is a head oriented color and also an extrovert. So in terms of being a leader, if you are red, a lot of times you are going to have a hard time focusing on what your people on your team need. You're a competitor by nature, so you you want to win at all costs. A lot of athletes are red, okay? So this is great and, and all of that, but you need to have the mindfulness to understand that not everyone is like you and that a lot of times you can be very off-putting in terms of not having a filter and in In terms of wanting to move too quickly, while you want people to just hit the high points and move on, other people need more details and they need more time to process. So while you may be able to make a decision very, very quickly, other people cannot. And so in order to be a good leader, you have to work to overcome your muscle memory of moving fast and slow it down for those that need you to slow it down. For being a spouse, again, it's the same in in being a leader. Understand that your spouse is not you. And so they're not going to like the same things you like. They may not like amusement parks. They may not like fast cars or um, going shopping and having to have name brand stuff they're not someone who is, you know, going to enjoy all of the different activities that you do. So take that into consideration. And then um, as a parent, also understand that, that your children, you know, if you're working with a child who is blue or green, for example, they are not going to be on the same page as you are in terms of the way that they learn or the in ways that they absorb information or even the way that they move through life in terms of whether they're a rule breaker or a rule follower. So every single person has a primary and a secondary color. So you need to understand what your colors are versus what other people's colors are so on a good day a red is competitive and demanding determined strong willed and purposeful on a bad day you can come off as aggressive and controlling driving overbearing and intolerant so keep that in mind as you are moving through the roles that you play throughout life okay so the second color that we're going to go over is actually the opposite of red okay so you're you're opposite of red is going to be yellow. Still an extrovert, but now we're moving into the heart centered or the people oriented color. And so your yellow people are going to be those that are influencers, those that like to influence people. Their energy is sunshine. And these are the, um, if you're looking at children in a daycare, while a red is going to be the taker, So when they see a toy that they want, they're going to just take it. They're not going to ask for it. A yellow is going to be a barterer. Okay, How about if I play with this toy, then you can play with it in five minutes? Or if I give you this toy, will you give me that toy kind of thing? So for the the animals that a yellow identifies with most are peacocks and otters. We're popular... But we're also a little bit pompous. It's the involve me, include me, let's have fun. So we also enjoy the fun just as a red does because we're extroverts and we enjoy being around people. But for us, you've got about seven minutes for us to, um, and I say us because yellow is my my top color, my primary And so you've got about seven minutes to get us all of the information that you need before we lose focus or before we lose interest in the conversation. And so with this one, if you're a leader for yellow, on a good day, you are sociable and dynamic, you're demonstrative and enthusiastic, and you can be very persuasive. So being a salesperson works out great for you. You're on a bad day, excitable and frantic. You're indiscreet. You're flamboyant, and you can be a little bit hasty. So it's very hard sometimes to accept that when we have a color, we we have to accept the, the bad with the good. And so, as leaders, though, yellows typically like lists, and we like organization, and we like to um, we like to be the people that get things done just like the reds in that sense, but opposite in reds and that we're moving through things very analytically, very methodically, and we're not just flying through the list just to get it done and move on to the next thing. So yellows do make very good leaders in that we're task oriented, but we're also big picture oriented as a spouse. Also, doing great as a spouse because yellows are going to be your people that keep things on a calendar so they know exactly okay it's Wednesday you know our daughter has a doctor's appointment our son has a soccer game so th- they're able to be the the people that organize the family we that we're the, we're the the nucleus that that keeps the family running that kind of the control center if you will as a parent if you have a child who's gold it's very helpful if you go over the schedule with them in the morning Okay, first we're going to go to school and then after school you're going to come home and you're going to do homework and then you have dance or you have soccer or what have you. And then you're going to come home and have dinner and then it's bath and bed. So they they thrive on knowing the schedule, on knowing the routine, in sticking to the routine. My son when we um when he was little, he's 10 now, but when we were when he, we would go shopping at Target, when he was little he would say How many things do we have to get? And I would say seven. And, you know, it's Target. So you're going to put extra things in your basket. I mean, come on, kid. And we would get to seven and he'd go, okay, we're done. We're done. And I would say, but but we're not done. And he'd say, no, you said seven. So they like to understand what's going on. If you're adding extra things to the basket, they want to know why you're adding extra things to the basket. Because they're counting. If you said seven, You better stick to your word. So that's a yellow. For the next heart-centered color, we have greens. And greens are big on deep relational harmony. So these are your sharers in daycare. These are your kids that they'll absolutely give up their toy if it makes somebody else happy. These are your people who typically put others before themselves. They identify most with a dove and a golden retriever. Animals of very peaceful nature, a very predictable nature. So these, these people live by the motto, show me you care. So on a good day, they are very caring, very encouraging, sharing, patient, relaxed. These are your helpers. These are going to be your Princess Diana's and your Mother Teresa's. On a bad day, we can be a little bit docile, bland, plotting, reliant, and stubborn. So, you know, we want to make sure that we're helping, but not to the extent that um, we're stubborn about it or, um, you know, look at our motives for doing the things that we're doing. This is instead of being an extrovert, a green is gonna be an introverted head in in the introverted headspace. So as a leader for being green, make sure that you're not being too passive. Make sure that you're, you know, that you're communicating expectations clearly, that you're involved with your team. Because again, being an introvert, it's easy for us just to step back, be in our, in our office and, and seem almost unapproachable. Whereas that's absolutely not our core intent at all. We want those deep relational, um, conversations. We want to understand what helps our people tick, what helps motivate other people. If you are a spouse to someone who is green, give them time to process. Understand that they are very much in their feelings, that your spouse is very much not someone that you can use harsh words with because it will stick with them for a longer period of time than it would a red or a yellow per se. Understand that your green needs that time at the end of the day when they come in to unwind, to just be by themselves. Um, you know, my husband mentioned to me the other day, he said, I, he he came in and he said, are you okay? I said, yeah. And he said, well, you've been spending a lot of time by yourself lately. Green is my secondary color. So while the yellow is primary, in times where I'm just feeling a little bit overwhelmed as a green being my secondary color, I need that extra time to just be in the silence to journal, to meditate, to pray, to read. I I love to read. Whereas my husband who's read is opposite on the circle than I am. And so reading, he does not have time for that. That is, that is not his jam. So he doesn't always understand that, that that time doesn't mean that I'm mad or doesn't mean that I'm, I'm, you know, withdrawing from anything. It just means that I need a little bit of time, you know, to process and to think a little bit about those things. As a parent to a child who is green, understand that you cannot yell at them. Raising your voice will make them completely shut down. As as a child who is green, they feel very, very deeply. They feel... Um, Even watching a movie who, like if there's someone who gets shot on there, for example, they will very much feel that. They will feel it deeply and they may even cry, even though it's, you know, they're older, like an older child, that, that may be a thing for them. And it's just because these are your empaths. A lot of times they feel the energy of others. They feel what's happening in the world. And so right now, where we have all the COVID-19 stuff, if you have a child who's green, they're going to need honest explanation of what's happening. And they're going to want to help. They're going to want to volunteer or figure out some way that you can, you know, donate food or what have you to those who are in need. And it's very important that you give them the time and space to process that, but also that you give them enough details that they don't overthink things because that's another thing that as a green, we want to help to the point where we can overthink things. Um, And, and again, that it's, it's to our detriment, you know, you always hear the, the saying you can't pour from an empty cup. Most of the time it's because this thats it came from greens. Greens are always the ones that are pouring out every last bit of energy that they have to those that they need it. So for greens, you have about 20 minutes to have a conversation with them before they lose interest or before, um, before they'll start to fix you. So make sure that also you set the tone at the very beginning of the conversation. I don't need you to fix me. I just need you to listen, or I don't need you to, um, to help me problem solve. I just need, I just need you to hear me kind of thing. If you are a green leader, just make sure that, um, that you are, being a little bit more aggressive than passive that's that would be my my biggest advice there and in terms of the last color we have a blue and blues are going to be introverts as well but versus the yellow and greens that are more heart-centered your blues and your reds are head-centered. And so your blues are going to be introverted as well, but again, in that in that head space. So blues are going to be your holders. They're going to hold the, the toys at daycare because they want to observe others. These are going to be your people watchers, big time. They're also going to, a lot of times, have the feeling like, they're a little bit more intelligent than everybody else in the room. So they're, they're all about accuracy and observation. Sometimes a blue, especially if you' if, if you're in um, a leadership position, make sure that you're not doing this to the people below you. If you believe, that someone is trying to bluff you, you will ask a question that you already know the answer to just to see if the person talking back to you is filling you full of beans. They are trying to, you as a blue, you're trying to judge people's character by their intelligence. And that, that sometimes will get you into some hot water. Your energy is cool and you associate more with an owl and a beaver. Perfectionism is definitely something that you struggle with. And you're also very picky. You have no problem going through life in solitude. You have no problem with that. But you're also the person that lives by the motto, give me all the details. So as a leader, You are also one that that can come off as very unapproachable. So if you are um, in that leadership position, understand that you you may be misinterpreted as feeling um, as your as your people feeling like they can't talk to you because you're judging them. So on a good day, you're cautious, you're precise, you're deliberate, you're questioning and you're very formal. On a bad day, you can come off as stuffy, indecisive, suspicious, cold, and reserved. So keep that in mind if you're in, in a leadership position. While you're great at it because of your analytical skills and because of the ability to you know work through the hard numbers and the spreadsheets and all of that jazz, that's great. But how are you relating to the people that work for you? as a spouse to someone who is blue. This can be very trying at times because your blues do not always understand because they are in that headspace, they don't have the ability to understand that words may cut you a little bit deeper than what they would then. So telling someone, um, you know, saying something like, do I look fat in this dress? A blue is going to say, yeah, you do. And so there's not a lot of tact there. Understand that that's, that's your spouse. That's, and, and also as the blue spouse, understand that your words have a lot of power and a lot of meaning. And so it's going to be hard for your spouse to hear those words and to digest those words without getting upset or taking it personally. So, you know, kind of try to tone that down and understand that other people have feelings too. Where you don't always associate with those feelings because you're in that headspace, your spouse is, again, not you. So, as a parent to someone who is blue, your child is going to be the child that takes things apart just to see if they can put them back together. Your child is going to want to figure out how all the things work. They're very curious beings. They want to dig the hole in the backyard just to see what's underneath. They want to, um, you know, they're very involved with their hands. They're probably, as teenagers, going to revert to their room and they're they're not going to associate with people very much. And that's just who they are. They're very... Um, observant so they're catching a lot more than what you're teaching them just trust me on this understand that they are going to be a little bit more headstrong uh, they're going to feel like they are always right as a spouse to someone who is has blue also understand that your spouse is going to feel like they are right and that there is one way to do it and that is their way So as a blue, understand that that's how you can come off as well. So if your spouse accuses you of that, understand that this is just part of your personality and it's something that you can work on to to harness and to to be a little bit more um, tactful in that regard as well. That it's okay to be wrong, number one, and it's okay to do things differently than the way that you would normally do it. So there's your four colors. I hope that you have enjoyed learning a little bit about that. We um we do a very long assessment in unique I shouldn't say it's that it's long. It's not that long, but it does give you 17 pages of insight into who you are and also understand that who you are at work may not be who you are When you're say on vacation, you may have one primary color that's quite a bit higher when you're in, um, when you're quote unquote on, when you're in that work position versus when you're on vacation and you've just let, let loose and you're at home and, or you're with your family or what have you, your, your primary colors can fluctuate in that regard. So you may be more on the yellow side when you are at work, but you're more of a green personality when you're around people that you love and trust and know. So that can be, you know, if you, if you look at that and think, okay, well I, I identify with a yellow, you know, in my job, but, oh, but I, I identify more with a red when I'm at home. That's totally possible. That's absolutely possible. So everybody has different combinations of, of Colors of a primary and a secondary. Most likely, you are not going to have the same color combination as your spouse. So, um, for m- for our family here, my husband is a red blue, or sorry, my husband is a um, red green. I am a yellow green, and um, my son is a green red, and so he's the opposite of my husband. So. Basically, that is that in a nutshell. If you are interested in more information on the colors, um, please email me at coaching at recognizingpotential.com. I would love to have a conversation with you about that. If you're interested in um, getting to know yourself and doing a little bit more of a deep dive, I do open up that unique program twice a year so um, it's already opened and closed for the beginning of this year but it'll be opening back up in September so I can talk to you guys more about that when it comes around but for now thanks so much for listening don't forget to like and subscribe to this podcast and also leave me a review I appreciate it so so much when you guys do that and um, I'll see you guys next week Thanks for listening to another podcast episode of Recognizing Potential with your coach and host, Cameron thompson Alariki. Please be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode and also send me a review. I read all of the reviews and I'm grateful for every single one. Be sure to join the Facebook group, Recognizing Potential Life Coaching, for even more life changing content. Follow me on Instagram at recognizing underscore potential and on Twitter at rec. Potential. R-E-C-P-O-T-E-N-T-I-A-L. Thanks so much for listening and I'll see you next week. Hi guys. Welcome to another podcast episode for Recognizing Potential. I'm Cameron Thompson Alariki and this week we are going to be talking all about perspective. So I feel like because it is like week 382 of quarantine, that I should just go ahead and give you all a little bit of comedic relief here and let you know that you are not alone. So, my week started out with me cutting my hair. No, I am not a cosmetologist. I have never been to cosmetology school in my entire life. I have watched an 11 minute YouTube video on how to cut my hair, and that is it. So, for all of you who are cosmetologists, I am sorry. So I decided to cut my hair on um, Sunday because I felt like it was too long and it was getting caught underneath between my arms and my ribs while I was sleeping. And it was constantly a mess. And so I was like, forget it. I'm just going to cut it off. It's not a big deal. I can totally do this. YouTube makes it look easy. All right, here we go. Think Rapunzel to Rachel Green in like matter of three minutes. Meanwhile, my husband walks in while I'm cutting my hair. And (laughs) if I could have sold the look on his face, he, uh, he immediately told me that I broke his heart and that I should consult him before cutting my hair next time, because that was a lot. And I didn't realize how much it was until I finished and then I took my hair out of all the ponytail holders and thought, oh, yes, maybe I should consult him next time in, in what we're thinking here because that was a little excessive. So that was on Sunday, Sunday mid-morning-ish before church started. In the afternoon, I ended up in the emergency room for dehydration and a low blood sugar, which is a whole nother story for a whole nother podcast episode. And then tonight, so then he leaves, by the way, he leaves right before I ended up in the emergency room, um, for a four day training in Phoenix. So if you know anything about pilot wife law, um, and if you don't, you're going to learn because, um, because we're aviation, but pilot wife law states that as soon as your husband walks out of the door for a trip, for a training, for anything, that is when the refrigerator will break. That is when your child will break an arm. That is when you will end up in the emergency room for dehydration and low blood sugar. That is when you will need the people around you because you will not have help. It will not happen while your husband is home. Ever. Ever. It will always happen when they're away. Case in point, tonight before I am recording this podcast episode, my son is walking, walking across our hardwood floors from our kitchen to his bedroom. He slips and only in my own Mason fashion hits the corner of the wall on his face because we don't we don't hurt extremities. Usually tonight, he did take a chunk out of his knee, but he hits his face on the corner of the wall. Mind you, in the last year, we have replaced two front teeth in full. We have um, dealt with two concussions. And um, right before that, we were in the emergency room on Thanksgiving due to him stepping in a laundry basket and cutting his toe almost off. So, That gives you an idea of um, what it's like to raise boys and also what it's like in our house. Now, how does this all deal with perspective? Perspective says, I could have just chalked this up to being a craptastic week and thrown in the towel and just basically decided tomorrow morning that I'm not getting out of bed because what's the point? But perspective also says that others have it much worse. I am not worried right now about how to feed my family. Is it my normal groceries that are in the pantry and in the refrigerator? No, but my family still has food to eat. Um, I'm not worried about how to pay bills right now. Both my husband and I have jobs. We have money coming in. Others don't have that luxury. And I completely understand that. But perspective is how you look at the world how you look at circumstances. Okay. Perspective is a noun and it's your attitude that you have about what's happening for you, not to you. And that is one of the phrases that has honestly helped me through my entire life. Being that people are worried right now about how to pay bills and about how to feed their families. I've been there. Right after I got divorced, I was a single mom to a two-and-a-half-year-old, and I remember specifically one night looking in my fridge and seeing one slice of cheese and a jar of pickles. That's it. That's all I had in my fridge to feed my child. I was in school full-time getting my second degree. I couldn't utilize my first degree because it's an education, and it was uh, probably about October or November at this point, and so nobody was hiring to teach. So, and I needed something more stable than substituting. So at the time I was working three part-time jobs because I couldn't afford daycare. So I needed three part-time jobs that I could take my child with me and go to be able to go to school so that I could give my child a better life. Also, if you're a teacher, you know that it is very difficult, if not nearly impossible to feed a child Or even yourself on a teacher's salary. And I knew that. So I needed to get the education. Or so I thought that was my perspective at the time. I needed that education in order to up-level my life and give my child a better life. So I've been there. I've been there. I've been there in not being able to pay the bills. In not answering my phone because I I didn't know what collection agency would be calling at that time. That was seven years ago. Now, in seven years, I have come so stinking far. It is not even, it, it is unfathomable. If someone would have told me seven years ago, it's okay. You're going to be where I am now. Just, just weather the storm for seven years. I would have laughed in their face. I had anxiety so bad at the time. And this is what a lot of you are dealing with right now too. I know this because I have clients calling me almost daily talking about this, trying to figure out how to get past this, anxiety so bad that I would stay up at night and watch One Tree Hill episodes over and over and over on repeat because I slept in 20 minute increments for about two hours. And that was all the sleep that I got. And we're going to talk a little bit about what that does to you later. But that was where I was at. Okay, so when people come To me right now, in in moments of crisis and in moments where they're not sure what to do, I get it. I can empathize with them. But perspective, again, is a noun. It's an attitude. It's saying you have control over what's going on. You have control over how you look at things you have control over the resilience that you have or the resilience that you don't in these moments. So what helps two questions that you need to ask yourself right now is how is life happening for me instead of to me? The second one is how can I, that's how you're going to start your question. How you end that question is purely circumstantial. So you see in movies, this drives me absolutely insane, but you see in movies when something happens, it's usually the damsel in distress or the wife or whatever that turns to the husband or turns to the man and says, what are we going to do? What are we going to do now? Your life is not a movie. You have the resources. You have people that you can connect with. You have tools at your fingertips that you can utilize to pull yourself out of whatever circumstance is happening right now, but you have to swallow your pride in order to utilize those tools. Anxiety is worrying about things that haven't happened yet. So I'll give you a story. I had a client call me last night. She said, I really want to do your program that you're offering for half off right now but I can't. And I said, okay, tell me more. She said, my husband is losing his job in September and I'm just grateful for mine. Now she wants to leave her job and has for several months because it's detrimental to her health. However, at this point in time, her perspective is that this is the only job that she is able to have or able to get. And therefore, this is what's going to feed their family. She's worried about something that hasn't happened yet. There's many, many, many things that can happen between now and September. Okay. Worrying about things that haven't happened yet is fear. Fear is, is, is an acronym for false evidence that appears real, false evidence that appears real. So this fear that you have created is a story that you've created in your own mind. Okay. It's something that you tell yourself, this is what's going to happen. This is what's going to happen. And so I need to do this, or I need to worry about this. In these moments, you need to, and and this is what has helped me. I don't, I have had maybe one anxiety attack in seven months and it wasn't even that bad. First off, you have to know your triggers and avoid them. My triggers are dark chocolate and letting myself get to a point of exhaustion that I, I can't function well. So I have to stay on top of my sleep and getting good restorative sleep and not eating dark chocolate, which isn't that hard. When you have the pain of of anxiety, you can avoid your triggers when you know what they are. At the same time, when you're worrying about things that haven't happened, write your worries down, write your fears down, and then ask yourself, is this real? Is this happening right now? If it's not, if it's not an actual reality, then let it go for right now. Worry about it when it comes. Don't try to plan because it's like, it's like when you were in high school and you did something, I I don't know. I grew up in a town of 1500 people. So if you drop the F bomb, your mama knows about it before you even hit the back door. But My mom, I would always, I was always the kid that was afraid of getting in trouble because I knew that if I did something wrong, that my parents were going to come down. I mean, they were going to bring the hammer down hard. My dad, especially my dad, um, is a type one on the Enneagram. He is all about perfectionism. He is all about right versus wrong. Everything is black and white. There is no gray area. So if I screwed up, he was going to find out about it. And then I was going to have to deal with him. He's a very intimidating guy. So in that moment, I would always worry about, oh my gosh, I can't get in trouble because I would know this or I would do that. And then I would go home and talk to my parents about it. And my mom would be like, oh, you totally could have done that. It wouldn't, it's not that big of a deal. So that's what anxiety is. Almost every single time you worry about this thing and you have this anxiety attack over this thing, when it actually happens, if it even does, it's not even half as bad as you think it's going to be. Okay, so it's about perspective, looking at this from a different angle. Is this real or is this a a, a reality that I've created in my head that is false? Okay, so some other tips. All right. So when you're talking about relationships right now, um, divorce attorneys are at an all time high because people are realizing that being quarantined with their spouse, they're just fighting all the time. So a couple of things on that. Seek to understand before trying to be understood. I'll give you an example. My husband is from Egypt. English is his second language. There are many, many, many times where we have gotten into arguments because he has used the wrong words. He will use words like, um, you need to ask my permission. That's a controlling statement in my mind, but he doesn't mean permission. He means that I need to ask for clarification or that I need to communicate with him whatever's happening so that he just so that he's in the know because we're a team. He doesn't actually mean that I need to ask his permission because he does not control me. Okay, so it's it's that kind of thing. Your, your partner is not you. And if you listened to episode one, you understand, or episode two, I guess it was, you need to understand their colors and how they communicate and also how they understand. Because part of communication is speaking on their level so that they understand what you're trying to say. So seek to understand before trying to be understood. And a great way to do that, honestly, is using the phrase, I hear you saying this. Is that correct or is that accurate? I'm just trying to clarify. I'm trying to clarify. I hear you saying this. Is that what you mean? Most of the time we think that we read our spouse and we've known our spouse for so long that we can read them like a book. So whenever they say something, we take our perspective on that and we understand it a certain way, but they meant it in a completely different way from their perspective. Perspective, two people can be looking at the exact same thing and see two totally opposite things. So it's like that, that picture that one person may see like an old lady and then that's that has the shawl over her head and another person may see a young lady with that's wearing a hat so it it's completely in your perspective also understand when you're when you're trying to clarify with your relationships the maslow's hierarchy of needs the the base of that triangle is your basic needs you need food you need water you need shelter. You need air. You also need intimacy, um, makeout sessions. You need you need those. That is that is Maslow's hierarchy of needs. You also need to eliminate stress. If you are not having regular makeout sessions during this time, if you are super stressed, which, I mean, who isn't right now? If you're not eating and drinking well. If you're not getting enough sleep, if you're not meeting your basic needs, then your outer life the the, the the part of your brain that makes decisions for you cannot make rational functional decisions because it's too focused on getting what it needs just to survive. That base level of the of the hierarchy of needs is just for survival. Then you work your way up. So, of course, if you're not seeking to understand before trying to be understood, if you're not meeting your basic needs, then yes, things are going to escalate a lot quicker. It doesn't mean you get a divorce. It means that you meet your basic needs and revisit the conversation. Give each other the benefit of the doubt. You guys are a team. Stop feeding into the negativity that is surrounding you and we're going to talk a little bit more about this later but I saw a post the other day and don't think that I don't have a sense of humor. I I I'm hilarious, okay? Let's just let's just say that. I have a great sense of humor. But I saw a post the other day that the husband comes in to the kitchen and asks his wife, "How can I help you?" and she says, "Well, you can take a dull knife and sever an artery, and then bleed out slowly in the garden, that would be very helpful. And so many women commented on this post that, like, the laughing emojis, and that, oh my gosh, I just thought this this morning, blah, blah, blah. Let's flip this. If your husband would have posted that, would you still be laughing If you love this person, you're married to this person, you have to treat them as a human being, which means you have to treat them with kindness and posts like that feed into the negativity. Some people may think it's funny and that's, that's fine. Whether you think it's funny or not, either, either way, it plants seeds of negativity that grow massively fast into toxicity. So you have to use the golden rule in situations like this, especially basic needs and kindness. If you're in a leadership position and you're wondering right now how perspective can work for you, connect with your people. Ask what they need specifically. Saying things in an email or a text or on a a Zoom call, let me know if you need anything. That's not entirely helpful. Reach out to them individually and ask, how can I help your family in this time? How can I help you specifically in this time? Your person may not need anything. They may have all of their needs met. They may just need a listening ear. They may need money. They may need food. They may need something that they're not vulnerable enough to ask for on a Zoom call in front of 40 of their other coworkers. Get to know your people. Connect with them. Think about it from their perspective. You're in the leadership position, so you have a higher salary most likely. You have additional resources that you can use that other people can't or don't even know about. So if you can't help them, if you're not physically able to, that's okay. But try to help them find a resource or reach out to someone who can. That individual connection right now is what we need specifically. Parenting. (sighs) Something else I've seen um, absolutely breaks my heart is a skyrocket in child abuse cases right now. Again, parents don't have their basic needs met, so their stress is at an all-time high. They take it out on their children because their children are frustrating them. The reason your children are frustrating you are twofold. Number one, your children are people, they have big emotions too, but they don't know how to express them. Your job is to be the calm, not to feed the chaos. So tr- again, it's the same with relationships with your spouse. Try to understand before trying to be understood. What What is scary to them? What are they worried about? What did they see on the TV? Which we're going to talk about here in a minute. What did they hear? What are they misinterpreting? They're small, so they don't understand how the big world works. Their frontal lobe is not developed enough yet to understand an outpour of situations that happen on a global scale when all they understand is in an egocentric way of themselves, their family, possibly their classroom, or maybe even extended out to their community if they're about fourth or fifth grade. We've had a lot of conversations in our home about, and, and we're using full honesty, of course, in words that that our 10-year-old can understand, but full honesty, here's what's happening in the world. Here's how it started. Here's what we're doing to fix it. This is what our family is, is doing to help the situation. Things are scary right now. Your, your children also don't understand the difference in schedules, maybe it's a case where you've never worked from home before and so now your children don't see that you're working your children see oh mom's home dad's home so i get their full attention all the time because before when you were home you were there you were present you they didn't have to they didn't have to entertain themselves or divide their attention with something else because when you were home you were home Now you're home, but you have an additional responsibility to work from home and your children don't understand that difference. So it has to be explained right now um, when I'm recording podcasts, when I'm writing content, when I'm doing my gratitude journal every single morning, when I'm, you know, reading, doing things for my, my coaching business. um, For a lot of you guys that don't know, I'm still teaching kindergarten. I'm teaching kindergarten online and when I have to work, we have a red sock that I hang on the doorknob, the doorknob. and when I am just, you know, chilling or cleaning the rooms or, or whatever, um, but the door is closed, then I put a green sock on the doorknob. Green means go, red means stop. If the red sock is on the doorknob, you don't come in. You don't bother me because I need to be, have my full attention on this. It works out really well. You can do it with paper. You can even write stop on in, in red marker on one side or go in green on another. It's it's very simple and it's it's a system that works for us. The the last part that I want to talk to you guys about is your environment. Stop watching the news. You can agree or disagree with this all you want, but the news is written from a perspective of a producer that has a number one job of putting the company and the company's best interests first. Their job is not to write from what's best for the consumer, which is you. They're writing from a position, from a perspective of we need these viewers to continue to come back so how can we write the stories that go on the teleprompter that then our news anchors are going to read to our to our consumer to our audience Of course fear is the quickest way to get someone to to buy fear is the quickest way planting fear of I'm we're only offering this for you know till midnight on Tuesday we're only um, you know, it's it's for a limited time. It's for a limited amount. You're 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 triggering your consumer's fear in this. Now, in some situations, where like for me right now, I have a course open um, that is for seven people. That's not to produce fear. It's because I can't handle the energy for seven for more than seven people. And also for time constraints, if we're sharing in a group, more than seven people, it just gets too long. And then your group goes from two hour session to five. So there's also reasons for that too. But think about the news right now. Is there anything positive on it? Is it 90% negative? Are you just, is, is it stressing you out? Is it causing you to have More anxiety than it is calm. Of course know what's going on in the world. Go to the CDC's website. Go to um, the, the World Health Organization's website. Get information that doesn't have a narrative. Get information that doesn't have someone else's perspective written into it. Okay? Because it's marketing. The internet's the exact same thing. Facebook. How much of that content is negative that you're consuming? How much of that is from someone else's perspective that you don't necessarily agree with? Or that that you're not getting anything from? Except for more fear and more negativity. Your great aunt Sally that continues to post about how this is all a conspiracy theory and the world's going to end and the sky is falling. That's not helpful to you. Start following people that are positive, that are helping you to understand, that are helping you to up level. Start following people that you can look at as a mentor to be who you want to be. Look at people who have the mindset that you want to have and follow them. Of course, I would love it if you would follow me. I'm at recognizing underscore potential at Instagram on Instagram. And I'm at recognizing potential on Facebook and Pinterest. I'm at REC potential on Twitter. I try to post mostly positive or truly funny things because I think we all need to laugh more right now. We need that comedic relief, which is why I started out telling you guys about how I cut my hair into the Rachel Green instead of Rapunzel which is why I tell you that I can completely relate to you on having a craptastic week but it's how you look at it one of the things that really helped us is um as a family is to write out the things that we have that we want to do right now make a personal and also a family quarantine list every summer as soon as school lets out we make a, a summer bucket list and it's things like Going on a hike or going to a certain uh, museum that we want to go to or, you know, of course swimming at the pool and, you know, maybe Mason wants to make cookies or maybe he wants to, you know, do a certain art project or what have you. Maybe, you know, going to Gigi's is always a good time. So we write out all these things that we want to do over the summer. And then every day we look at this list and think, okay, what can we do today? Make a quarantine list too. Do you want to do puzzles? Do you want to, you know, make sight words out of Play-Doh? Do you want to, you know, build a catapult out of Popsicle sticks? Do you want to make the, the tape and, and sidewalk chalk collage that you see all over Facebook and, and things? Search Pinterest. What do you want to do right now that you guys can do together? Can you make cookies together? What kind of bonding experiences can you do? As a parent... One of the things that my child has needed the most in this time is just extra snuggles. He's needed extra cuddles, and he's needed, he's needed a lot more mama time. So we've done things that connect. We've, we've, we're reading the Harry Potter series, so we've continued to do that. We've done puzzles. It's amazing the connections that I have built with him that I didn't have before because I was quote-unquote always busy. And I didn't even realize it. So what can you get back to? Worry about the here and now. And ask yourself, how can I? How can I make more money? How can I get food? How can I up-level my marriage? How can I find my purpose? So that when all of this is over, you come out better and with lessons learned. Instead of having post-traumatic stress disorder from all of this. There's a story that I tell... At the beginning of my unique program about the Chilean miners, if you guys remember several years back, there were 33 Chilean miners that were trapped under um, about like a half a mile under um, this mine that caved in. And when they got out, all of them miraculously survived, but they needed a second rescue. They were rescued the first time. And it was this thing where everybody... Was alive, but the post traumatic stress disorder that they that they had from the experience itself caused alcoholism and divorce and just family turmoil and turbulence and these. I mean, completely like to the point where people who never would have originally been thought of as, you know, spousal abuse were indeed physically abusing their, their wife and children. There was one guy that built up a wall, a concrete wall all the way around his house because he was so anxiety ridden that he didn't want to leave the comp. He did not want to leave his little compound. Don't let that happen to you. Reach out. I know that that's a little bit extreme, but stress does things to people that you don't expect it to, to, to do in the first place. Anxiety makes your body do things that you, didn't, you don't expect it to in the first place. So reach out to people. Connect with them. Control what you can control. And that includes your perspective. If your perspective is not working for you, ask yourself, how can I change this to see things differently? What is real and what am I making up in my head? I told you guys last week um, that I have a unique program and this program is truly life transforming. Um, I've coached uh, personally, individually. I've coached a little over 35, but I've been in other cohorts and whatnot. I've total coached about 100 people in this program and every single person has walked out knowing their purpose in life with stunning clarity. Down to They can define it in two words. Every single person. No person has the same two words as the next person because everyone was created for a specific calling. It is biblically based. It's 12 weeks. I'm halving the time on it. Typically, it's six months. Typically, I only open it twice a year. But right now, I think this is what people need. I think people need an outlet to learn about themselves, to learn why they do the things they do, to get stunning clarity on their purpose in life. So that when they walk out of this, because everybody will, when they walk out of this, they can have the confidence and the resilience to say, you know what? I am a better person now than I was when I went into this. I'm also halving the price. It's typically fourteen ninety seven. For six months of coaching. It's 747 and that includes all of your materials. It includes full access to me and it includes all of your coaching. It's a steal of a deal. So if you are the one that's waking up every day saying, I don't know what the next chapter holds. I don't want to go back to the job that I had. I don't like who I am or what I'm doing or I don't know why I'm doing the things that I do. I don't know the patterns in my life. I have completely debilitating anxiety and I don't know why this program is for you. I hope you guys have learned something this week. I hope you guys get um I hope you guys have a great week coming up. Enjoy the Easter holiday. Enjoy the reason for the season and the meaning behind all of it. And Enjoy the fun activities that you can do during this season with your kids. Connect with your spouse. Connect with your kids. Meet your basic needs. And of course, if you need to, reach out. You can email me at coaching at com. You can follow me on all social media handles. And I wish you all well. I'm praying for every single one of you. And I hope you have a great week. I'll talk to you guys next week. Don't forget to like and subscribe. And, um, if you feel called to leave a review, it helps. And I read every single one of them. So thanks so much. And I'll talk to